trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Come pull up a chair. Come, no, better still, come walk with us. Come walk with Eric Peters, who joins us uh, now from from his secluded lair somewhere out in the greater free part of America. How are you today, Eric? Well, I'm a little bit worried, Brian, because fascism is clearly on the rise again. (laughs) I see you've been following the news about Italy's election. Mm -hmm. By, By the way, how did they get all the votes counted in one day? I'm I know I'm still I know oh my gosh well that's easy easy enough to explain it's because the fascists got control of the voting system (laughs) so let's let's talk about this I I'm sure some people will have seen the the newly elected Italian prime minister's uh, speech which by the way was just remarkable I don't think I've ever seen a more succinct description of what we're up against and then we'll Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the uh, the hate (laughs) that the uh, world elites are directing toward her Mm mm-hmm yeah Uh, You know, here we have a case of uh, some pushback against this woke authoritarian leftist narrative that has been sweeping the globe. And every time something like that happens, of course, uh, the the wail of fascism resurrected uh, erupts from the throats of these people who clearly, I think, think that nobody even understands what the word means. It's ironic to me because, uh, as you know, I'm sure many people listening know fascism simply means the merger of corporate and government power together. And uh, what could be more fascistic than what we've been dealing with for the past couple of years, where big corporations, specifically big pharmaceutical cartels, have been working with the government to force everybody to take their horrible medicine. That's a very good exact textbook example of what fascism is. I agree. And and it's, it's also kind of encouraging from the standpoint of uh, this is not the first country that we've seen this. I think Hungary, likewise, rejected the woke yep. uh, religion. And now Italy has stepped up and done this. Does this portend uh, something hopeful for us in the midterms uh, next month or in November? Sure, rather? I think it does because I, I think it does. You know, I think one of the objectives of the last several years has been to make uh, make us feel as though uh, we're alone and that this this deviant agenda that uh, the woke left is pushing is the dominant agenda, that most people think that way, that most people have blue hair, wear three masks, uh, are, are, are non-binary, use multiple pronouns, love socialism, and so on and so on, when I think that that's absolutely not true. I think the, the Democrat Party has been co-opted by a relatively small cohort of extreme radical leftists, and it's, it's something that people are beginning to understand, and they're very tired of it because of the direct impact it's having on their lives. And assuming we actually have midterm elections and assuming the midterm elections uh, don't take two or three days to count the, the results, I think we're going to see something very similar to what's going on in Europe happen here. That's I, I'm encouraged by it. At the same time, it, it makes my spidey sense start to tingle yeah. because this represents a very real threat to the people in power. The ones who say our democracy when they really mean our rule. Yeah. Can you imagine exactly if our democracy, that is the people actually turn them out at the ballot box, and there is a mass repudiation of them. They'll be put in an awfully tight spot because the people have spoken. Democracy has said they don't that the people do not want them, and are they going to permit that? And uh, I'm with you. My, my spidey sense is on high alert, too, that between now and the, uh, the first week of November, something potentially horrendous is going to happen, 
because a rat, when desperate and cornered, tends to bear its fangs. Very true. Now, I'm happy to see that, you know, the September 24th date came and went. And as far as I can tell, nothing really major happened other than the fact that the yeah. world's markets seem to be imploding. But other than that, you yeah. know, how was the show, Mrs. Lincoln? Well, yeah, you know, that's just kind of a, a who knows whether that's a, a relatively slow motion train wreck. I think it's unstoppable at this point. I'm not a finance guy, but my understanding is that the bond markets are looking pretty precarious right now. And that could pretend something horrendous. And I think you and I last week touched on this ominous news of these big corporate retailers, the big box stores, uh, curbing and curtailing their orders, which strongly indicates that they know that something's afoot and they don't want to get caught with their pants down and lose a lot of money on merchandise they can't sell. Now, you know, whether there is something financially significant that happens between now and the midterms that would affect the midterms, I don't know. I mean, if it's something absolutely catastrophic, if it's something like wiping out people's uh, people's savings and, and their 401ks possibly because that could trigger some kind of social unrest and they might be able to use that as a pretext for delaying the elections ad, <laughs> into infinity. But we're going to just have to, as Hunter Thompson said, uh, enjoy the ride because we bought the ticket. Wow. Yeah. And, and by the way, the, another aspect of, uh, there's so much to keep track of here, uh, the FBI raid on this uh, Pennsylvania pastor, um, over over a uh, pro-life uh, uh, activity that I guess he and his son were, were praying in front of an abortion clinic. I don't know. You're, you're familiar with this, right? Have you heard about yeah, this? Yeah, I am. My understanding is all that happened, there was a minor altercation, and, and the, the two men pushed each other, I think was it. Is yeah, that correct? That's it. And because of that, they sent a hut, hut, hut team to this guy's house. And I've actually, I've seen one article, I have not been able to, to confirm this, but um, LifeSite News actually was reporting that the charge against him uh was dropped before this FBI raid, which, if true, yeah. would make it even more chilling. But the fact that 25, you know, agents showed up and pointed guns in people's faces and arrested this guy in front of his family over pushing a guy away from his yeah. son who was cussing his son out. I don't know, man. We're, we're entering well, some pretty dangerous waters. Well, there's, they're, clearly they're sending the proverbial Sicilian message. And I think you can contrast what happened in that case uh, with the case, and I can't remember the man's name, but there, there, uh, uh, some... Some 40-something-year-old guy literally ran over a kid uh, who um, was uh, at some kind of a political event and was maybe a Trump person. I don't know. But anyway, he, he literally murdered him for his politics with his car yep. and was released on bail within 24 hours. You familiar with that one? Oh, yes. Yeah, this uh, this was uh, a perfect indication of, of the, the two-tiered justice system that we're looking at. Contrast that with Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, who justifiably shot three people who were attacking him. And, you know, his bail was, what, millions? Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly, it's it's literally, clearly, you can see that there is this two-tiered system of justice. And that if you're on uh, on the side of the angels politically, from the standpoint of the, the woke left, you can essentially do anything and get away with it or, or uh, get mildly punished or censured, if at all, for it. Whereas, on the other hand, uh, you know, if you so much as post a tweet saying that you thought January 6th uh, was justified, then, you know, you can expect to spend the next six months in a federal prison somewhere, probably. It's sad to me, too, and, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but there are a number of uh, Republicans, even some of, I guess, what I would call the uh, Beltway libertarians, who uh, I don't know why they are very averse to anyone questioning 
the 2020 election. They basically, you're an election yep. denier, like a climate denier, mm-hmm. and everybody knows a denier is a heretic. Hey, can we burn this guy at the stake? You know, it's it's ridiculous. I, I don't get it either. You know, I mean, what what is the problem with the truth? You know, I think most reasonable people simply want to know uh, what the result was and have a legitimate question, especially in view of the fact that it's now been established there were uh, cases of voting voter fraud going on. It's no longer. Oh, it was it was it didn't happen. Yeah, it did. It happened in a number of states. Now, the question is how much of it happened. And I think reasonable people would just like an honest counting of what occurred. We'd like to know whether uh, these ballots that were counted were legitimate ballots. And I cannot understand why anybody would have a problem with that unless they have a problem with free and fair elections. Yep. And and as far as people questioning, I have no problem with people questioning an election. But I think that uh, the the questions still remain. We have not received very many answers as to, well, how is it that everybody stopped counting at the same time in these key states? How is it that they all resumed roughly at the same time? And, oh, look, and suddenly there was this incredible miracle that occurred. Sure, exactly. And and bear in mind, too, the history of it. You know, back in 2016, when the orange man was elected, uh, we heard all these cries of, not my president fraudulent election. The election was rigged by the Russians. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, whereas it turns out, you know, there actually is credible evidence of uh, of an attempt to uh, usurp the presidency via these contrived, made-up jihads against the Orange Man. And, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Orange Man, as you you, you well know, and people uh, listening to us talk and who've read my articles know. But the fact of the matter is that he was the subject of a witch hunt by authorities that knew it was a witch hunt. The FBI knew that that dossier was dodgy and sketchy, and they continued to, to pursue it regardless uh, because of their politics. They're, they're, they're clearly no longer uh, an objective, neutral enforcer of laws. They have become a kind of political police, and it's extremely scary that such a thing exists. By the way, I heard the best... Um I, I hear people call Joe Biden a lot of different names, but uh, James Howard Kunstler uh, referred to him mm-hmm. as the apparition in chief. <laughs> I was like, yes. it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. He's, well, he's a, he's a cipher. He, he's a bot. He's a, uh, a Potemkin facade for whatever is behind him at this point. And I'd ordinarily have some pity for the guy because he's clearly an, you know, a, a, a declining old man. And uh, most, most people, uh, will will offer up some some deference and sympathy to people who are in their declining years and whose mental faculties are disintegrating. But this guy's an evil man. I mean, I don't have sympathy for Hitler's Parkinson's disease either. A good point. Hold that thought. We've got some other important stuff to discuss with Eric Peters, just the other side of this commercial break. Do want to mention my sponsors here quickly. They include HSLAmmo.com, MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com. By the way, this is preparedness month, so get a 30% discount at Garage Door Pros. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com. We get together about once a week and just kind of talk about the passing scene. Eric, this is like therapy for me, so I should probably be cutting you a nice fat check because I really think it the helps. The problem is I have me. to send you one and back, and then we don't. Then we be even. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You had a recent article on environmentalism versus conservationism. Yeah. And since environmentalism is part of the leverage that's being used to separate us from our freedoms. Um, I thought that might be a, an interesting subject to explore. Tell me a little bit about this article. 
Yeah, well, you know, environmentalism is kind of a, the modern religion. It's uh, it's it, it, it's something that has supplanted uh, conservationism. I think you and I can remember. Uh, were you ever a Boy Scout? Yes, I was. Yeah, so you know, I, I was also, and we can remember when, when we were taught uh, to be good stewards of the earth, to not be wasteful, um, uh, to take care of things. That's conservationism, as distinct from environmentalism, which is a political weapon, a cudgel used to beat people over the head uh, with these false piety's. You know, right now we're urged to buy an EV, as I like to call them, uh, which is an extraordinarily uh, consumptive and wasteful vehicle. And uh, people like myself who are uh, driving an older, uh, paid-for uh, vehicle are portrayed somehow as uh, not being good for the environment. When you dig into it a little bit, exactly the opposite is true. The longer you keep a vehicle, uh, the longer it is before more materials have to be dug out of the earth to build a vehicle to replace it. My vehicle isn't in a landfill somewhere. Uh, it'll still be on the road, hopefully, for uh, many years to come. Um, it, it, it does not suck any electricity from the grid, and so it does not emit any carbon dioxide at a utility generating plant, unlike a, an EV. So there's so many things that you can get into with this uh, to, to, to just rip away the facade, this false front that environmentalism is, is something morally laudatory. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's becoming the latest crisis. Now that the pandemic is over, according to Joe Biden, you know, we can we can at least mm-hmm. uh, move on to the next crisis. And, and it seems like this is the one that never goes away. And no matter what the climate happens to be doing, it's it's going to be an excuse. Oh, see, it rained somewhere. Now we have to uh, mm-hmm. tax you more and charge you more fuel taxes and restrict, you know, everything you can do. Well, did you catch the comments from our friend Klaus Schwab a couple of days ago? about how uh, the whole pandemic thing was sort of a test of social responsibility. That's yes. how he styled it. Yes. And uh, there's going to be a follow-up test, and it's going to be the test uh, about our commitment to climate change. Uh, it, it's going to happen anytime now. But they'll, they'll declare a climate emergency, just like they declared a pandemic emergency, and they will attempt then to impose all sorts of restrictions, including locking down your uh, your ability to travel and uh, locking down how much electricity you can use, which will really kick EV people in the butt, which I'll take some schadenfreude delight in. But that's <laughs> what they're going to try to pull off next. Yeah, I I saw something today, too, that, that just chilled me because I honestly don't know if it's satire. If it's satire, it's very good. I have a feeling it's legit. And it's it's a little handout for kids. Ten reasons or ten things that are great about eating bugs. And, and, and it's I just, saw that. Oh, my word. Yeah, they're grooming kids to eat bugs, just like they're grooming kids uh, to uh, to get to, to view abnormal um, abnormal sexual practices as as normal. It's the same sort of thing. It's despicable. They they know from a psychological point of view that kids are malleable, particularly kids. You know, they want to. Their instinct is that they want to do the right thing, right? That's why the Soviets used kids to uh, to sneak on their parents because. You know, it's very bad, very, very bad if you criticize the Soviet regime. And so the kid, thinking that he was doing the right thing, uh, would then knock out his own parents to the KGB, and then the KGB would come and take the parents off to the gulag. Scary stuff. By the way, um, your article on uh, No More Down by the River was was <laughs> another one that just grabbed me. And I assume you're, you're referring to the old Matt Foley sketch from Saturday Night Live, yeah. in a van down by the river. Uh, tell me a little bit about yeah, that you know, column. 
Yeah, you know, that's, it was sort of a, a humorous segue to get into a serious topic when I dug into it a little bit, because I'm, I'm getting interested in RVs and, and travel trailers. turns out that something like a million people live in them full time. And they do that not because they're poor, but because they like the flexibility. They like the, uh, uh, the way it reduces costs of living uh, and, and for a variety of other reasons. Now, this whole EV agenda is going to really threaten that because, uh, you know, you need a truck or, or something to pull. Uh, an RV or a camper, and the EV vehicles don't pull them very far. There have been a couple of embarrassing real-world tests of uh, the electric F-150, which is called the Lightning, and uh, Ford you know, touts its tremendous towing capacity. Well, when you put a relatively light trailer on the back of that thing, uh, 6,000 to 8,000 pounds, which is nothing for a half-ton truck, the range plummets to about 80 miles. So effectively, it's useless for towing a vehicle. So, you know, it's really going to impact people who, who live in uh, in travel trailers and RVs tremendously, uh, as well as the rest of us. By the way, I really appreciated you including the uh, uh, the review, the video review of the little travel trailer. You and I have talked about this before, but yeah. as, as the crises intensify, I'm taking a very, very serious look at what would be the alternatives. Assume, you know, right now, housing prices mm-hmm. here in, in Idaho are, are still outrageous. And, and, mm-hmm. and if the housing prices aren't bad enough, well, the interest rates make up for you know, wherever they may be coming right. down. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's not – I'm new to this, so it took me a while to, to find it out, too. I think most people who don't know about it will, will think, well, boy, that's really going to be depressing. I'm going to be living in this little box, and it's, it's going to make me want to – just put a gun in my mouth, but it's nothing like that. These things are actually extremely nice, very cozy, uh, highly efficient, and also a lot of them can be set up to run almost all of their systems on solar. Uh, and it's a really neat way to live uh, that gives you mobility uh, without, you know, having to live in a tent somewhere and 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 cook your food at a campfire. So yeah, I'm looking into it too for the same reasons that you are. Yeah, I. I'm concerned that uh, we are about to see a, a homelessness crisis as uh, the economic woes deepen, as energy costs rise. Um, I know there's 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 housing to be found, but if people can't afford it, it's kind of a moot point. You know, if if they're living out of their yeah. cars, man, the people who planned ahead and got themselves a little travel trailer or even a conversion van or I don't even know what they're called today, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep. That would that would seem preferable to a cardboard box under an overpass somewhere. Yeah, my understanding with regard to the, the latest uh, interest rate hike is that if you could have afforded, say, a $350,000 house a month ago, now you can only qualify for a $200,000 house. Yeah. And with, and, and with respect to homelessness, you know, it's, it's unreal almost. If you go on YouTube, you can find videos of San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, the urban cores of cities in the Northeast, and it looks like something uh, out of Ethiopia. You know, it's shocking to think that this is America. Uh, tent cities, um, some of them, some, in some cases, blocks and blocks long of derelict and homeless people, drug addicts sprawled in the streets. This is what America is becoming. Well, the good news is there is a f- growing segment of us that are awake, that are aware, and actively taking steps to, to improve our position. I don't know anybody who has it down perfect, but Eric, I see people who are making some pretty serious progress, and, and I bet you they sleep better at night for having done so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the more that uh, the more that we put that we grab back from these people in terms of having control over our own lives, um, the more empowering it is. It, it's kind of a feedback loop. You know, once you get into it, you, you know, the water's warm. Come on in. It, it feels good. 
and and more people more and more people want to do the same things and that builds a synergy so hopefully we're going to be able to do that and turn the corner on this thing without everything going totally awful well we're we're down to about our last minute here eric i'm going to Mm -hmm. ask you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your website where they can find it what they can expect when they get there well, sure. It's pretty easy to find. It's just epautos.com, and uh, you'll find stuff there about the new cars and what's going on in the industry, uh, as well as look backs at, at classic cars, stuff about motorcycles, and lately RVs and travel trailers, too. And I, I just want I want you, the listener, to know, um, when it comes to things with wheels, I like to, Eric is kind of the guy that I go to. I want to know, has Eric reviewed this? Has he talked about it? And more often than not, if he has, I find some very solid information to use. Eric, great to talk with you. That's very kind of you, Brian. Thank you, as always. We'll catch up again same time next week. Thanks, Brian. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. Want to give a quick shout out here to Garage Door Pros. Actually, you can check out their website at garagedoorproservices.com. If you live in St. George, Utah, Cedar City, Utah, Mesquite, Nevada, Colorado City, Arizona, these are the folks you want to call for installation, service, and repair of garage doors, be it residential or commercial service, I promise you, you will not find better service than what you'll find with Garage Door Pros. And by the way, the doors they sell are made in America. I know that's important to some people. Call them at 435-525-2773 or go to garagedoorproservices.com. Be sure to check out the customer reviews. I really think you're going to find some great, uh, first of all, well-earned praise for garagedoorproservices.com. But also, you're just going to see that uh, they really do go the extra mile for their customers. So. Maybe you should be one of their customers. You know, the smartphone's been a game changer in a lot of ways. I was thinking about this the other day, actually having this conversation with my kid as we're uh, driving along and I'm like, you know, I've seen some pretty good changes. I'm not flexing as a Gen Xer here, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, uh, well, me and everybody who's uh, older than me, we're, we're sitting there, if we wanted to close our car window, we had to sit there and crank away like cavemen ah, 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 to try to get the window closed. And, and yet now we carry around uh, the equivalent of what would have been supercomputers back when we were kids right there in our pocket. Pretty amazing stuff. But not all of the ways that the smartphone has changed our world has been good. In fact, Bruce Wilde has an excellent eye-opening recounting of the smartphone's role in dumbing down America. He says the smartphone has begun to play a huge role in dumbing down America. Rather than being a source to move us forward, it's become an albatross around the necks of many weak-minded souls that depend on them. People turn to these devices for all kinds of unneeded updates, including performing simple math problems so they don't have to think. Originated in 1933, the term dumbing down was movie business slang. It was used by screenplay writers, meaning to revise to appeal to those of little education or intelligence. For those with little drive or purpose, the tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities, especially seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasy, find great comfort in the constant flow of drivel that a cell phone can provide. In short, 
dumbing down is the deliberate oversimplification of intellectual content in education, literature, cinema, news, video games, and culture. Now, Bruce says it should be noted this is being written just as the world is on the cusp of being offered a whole new recipe that may lead to even more social dysfunction. And that comes in the form of virtual reality, which offers an even stronger form of escapism that may result in damaging the ability of people to relate to each other in the real world. Especially worrisome is the effect it might have on children that experience and embrace it. Their ability to separate this fake virtual world from reality could become impaired. He says a great deal of the problems with smartphones are rooted in the idea everyone deserves one. Yes, I said deserves, not needs. Smartphones are now considered by many people as an extension of their being. By the way, that one really hit home, if only because how many of us have left, you know, to go somewhere and had this panic upon realizing, oh, crap, I left my phone at home, you know, and, you know, Suddenly, I feel like I'm cut off from the world. You're not. You're in the world. But that phone, it's a tether, right? I mean, it makes us feel like we're, we're connected. Why, something important could happen. There could be an Amber Alert, and I wouldn't even know about it. Anyway, back to the article. Especially worrisome, he says, is the effect that it has on kids. And, and it's also being used to program adults. Smartphones uh, include government programs that, that help them access government benefits and 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 government propaganda the term obama phone do you guys remember this this is something that uh, we we heard about uh, back when barack obama was president but there's a, he he actually has in the article an ad for the free cell phone you know call or call this number or go to usagovphone.com it's not a myth and and you can confirm this with a little bit of online research So what exactly is the free Obama phone? Well, it was a program that was meant to help the financially unstable or people who couldn't afford access to a cell phone. It seems that communication shouldn't be limited to people based on what they can afford. So the Lifeline program started decades ago by the federal government to help low-income families have access to landlines was just simply expanded. Over the years, the cost of cell phones and cellular service has decreased, and the program has been extended now to cover cell phones. So who qualifies? Well, it appears that little has changed over the years. If you or members of your household are receiving the following benefits, you automatically qualify for the Lifeline program. And the best way to know if you qualify is by filling out an application for a Lifeline provider in your state. Now, those interested in the program, you have to have an income of less than 135% of the federal poverty guidelines. In other words, roughly 2200 make that $22,350 per year for a family of four. So all of my radio colleagues, I guess you guys would qualify, right? I kid. I kid. But if you are on food stamps or supplemental nutrition assistance, the SNAP program, you might qualify. If you're on Medicaid or supplemental security income, also known as SSI, Health benefit coverage under the Child Health Insurance Program, we call CHIP. The National School Lunch Programs, Free Lunch Program, Low Income Energy Assistance Program, Federal Public Housing Assistance, that's Section 8. If you're a low-income eligible resident of tribal lands or the Temporary Assistance to Needy Families Program. So Lifeline is a government-sponsored program, but who pays for it? Some people claim, well, the government's using taxpayer money to run this program, but that that claim is false The clever clowns we have sent to Washington found a backhanded, under-the-table sort of way to make it appear that it's not taxpayer money. 
Universal Service Fund, or USF, which is administered by the Federal Communication Commission, along with the Universal Service Administration Company, pays for the Lifeline Phone Assistance Program. But if you really want to get down to brass tacks, you know who pays for it? The customers who are actually paying for their phones. Paying phone customers pay for this assistance. Now, Bruce Wild says it's written that if you are one of those people who've lost their jobs due to the recession, then probably you're having a hard time with your daily expenses. On top of that, paying telephone bills is just another pressure. Well, you can get rid of this burden by applying to the Lifeline Assistance Program run by the government. To get a phone, contact the provider of this service. The government has approved many companies at the national and regional levels to provide this service to eligible people. And just how much might one of these free government cell phones change your life? Well, an employer can more easily reach you with a job offer if you have a free government cell phone. You can stay in touch with your doctor or other emergency medical professionals more easily with a free government cell phone. A free government cell phone can help you keep in touch with family and other loved ones. I mean, it sounds pretty reasonable, right? And the good news is that while a government-assisted cell phone provides you with up to 250 monthly minutes to go with your cell phone, that's a generous contribution from the government, but it's barely enough airtime to last many people a month. But the good news is, you can easily buy more minutes for the phone from each of the major Lifeline cell phone companies. Now you can see that this is what's happened when it's gotten to the point that people carry their phone in their hand as they go about their business. Apparently, if you uh, use a promotion code, you can get some pretty good deals. Now, there's also been a lot of attention given to some of the ideas and visions the World Economic Forum has floated. A very powerful and visible glimpse was contained in the public relations video entitled Eight Predictions for the World in 2030. Its 2030 agenda promotes the idea that by 2030, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Smartphones dovetail with edging the general population towards such an existence. With the government transferring the costs for millions of customers to those that pay full price, Another face of corporate welfare is exposed. Interestingly, many people admit they're addicted to these phones that seem to offer a form of escapism from the real world, but some users have actually wised up and are moving back to dumb phones. A video by Cold Fusion, an Australian-based online media company, looks into this anti-smartphone revolution, and it points out how the dumb phone, or what's sometimes called a brick, is far less intrusive in our lives. And surprisingly, it's those users between the ages of 25 and 35 that are leading this charge. Now, Robert Bruce says, we should, I'm sorry, Bruce Wild. I think I was reading about uh, Braveheart. That's why I said Robert the Bruce. Anyway, we should never underestimate the role of the smartphone in dumbing down America. We can only hope that people will begin to take a closer look at these society-changing devices. When a phone will provide the answer to simple math problems, many people no longer feel compelled to learn or to memorize the things which give us perspective and help us to understand the world around us. And it's become apparent that smartphones change more than society. They change people, too. Being able to push a few buttons doesn't necessarily make you smarter. Pretty amazing stuff. I, you know... From the government-supplied phone standpoint, I think, yeah, that's, that's probably a misuse of government resources. Government's job was never to make sure that we have constant ability to be in touch and to surf the web and to be entertained. Its job is to keep us free. But I do admit some of the downsides have been that uh, we, as a society, have collectively become very addicted to our cell phones. Anytime you're in a room or in a, you know, someplace public where there's, there's plenty of people about and there's a lull in the conversation or nobody's talking to you and maybe you're a little bit bored... 
What's the reflexive thing most of us do? Ah, better check my phone. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm not convinced it's a healthy thing either. Might have to think on this one a little bit more. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Want to mention two of my sponsors that I would love for you to do business with. They are HSLAmmo.com and also LifesavingFood.com. I've got website links right there in my show notes, which you can access at thebrianhydeshow.com. Check them out and don't uh, don't miss out, especially at lifesavingfood.com. It's a 30% off discount. Since this is uh, since September is National Preparedness Month, that's something you might want to jump on. Anyway, a couple quick stories I want to share in the closing segment of the show. And uh, one of them talks about the counterculture. Now, when I was a kid, First of all, I didn't really understand what counterculture meant, but eventually I grew to understand, oh, counterculture, you mean those long-haired, drugged-out, smelly hippies. And that's really, I mean, they were kind of the counterculture movement. Woodstock was counterculture. But these days, if you believe in freedom, or if you believe in the traditional family or God, or you believe that, you know, government should really stay out of my business as much as possible, well, my friend, guess what? You're the subversive. You are the new counterculture. Here's an article by N.S. Lyons from amgreatness.com, a new counterculture. Now, this is kind of a positive article in that if the right captures some of the left's youthful energy and rebellious cachet, it would represent a tectonic cultural and political shift. N.S. Lyons says in July, the New York Times posted a job announcement seeking a reporter come anthropologist to cover an important new beat infiltrating the online communities and influential personalities, making up the right-wing media ecosystem, and shedding light on their motivations for the benefit of Times readers. Now, establishing this critical listening post would not be a role for the faint of heart. The daring candidate would have to specifically prepare to inhabit corners of the Internet where far-right ideas were discussed, all for the higher goal of determining where and why these ideas take shape. Now, you could be forgiven for questioning why the paper needed yet another reporter to shape the narrative about the political right, given its constant focus on Donald Trump and the populist MAGA movement since 2016. But the timing of the announcement seemed to suggest that the Times had something else in mind. It arrived amid an explosion of media interest in understanding a strange new tribe discovered suddenly not in the wilds of Kansas, but right under their noses. Back in April, an article by James Pogue in Vanity Fair revealed the emergence of a collection of podcasters, bro-ish anonymous Twitter posters, online philosophers, artists, and amorphous scenesters, sometimes called dissidents, neo-reactionaries, post-leftists, or the heterodox fringe, all often grouped for convenience under the heading of America's new right, who represent the seam of a much larger and stranger political ferment, bubbling up mainly within America's young, well-educated elite. Now, that last bit about the demographics of this so-called new right may have been what got the Times' attention. But Pogue had even more striking news. These dissidents, he wrote, had established a position that had become quietly edgy and cool in new tech outposts like Miami and Austin and in downtown Manhattan, where new rightish politics are in. 
as signifiers like a demure cross necklace have become markers of a transgressive chic. This may have been the most alarming news of all for the paper of record. Somehow, traditionalist right-wing conservatism had perhaps become cool. Now, if that's true, and if so, how is it possible? For at least a century, the left has held a firm monopoly on transgressive chic, profitably waging a countercultural guerrilla war against society's hegemonic status quo. For the right to capture some of the left's youthful energy and religious or rebellious rather cachet would represent a tectonic cultural and political shift. And he says, and N.S. Lyons says, we shouldn't be shocked if that happens. There's much more to this article. I'm going to leave it to you because it's it's a fairly lengthy article, but. Isn't that interesting? Nothing stays in place, right? Nothing's written in stone. This is just one of those examples of, huh, well, that's a development I really hadn't seen. Although I I do know the greatest way to get yourself labeled a radical today is just to do what was normal even 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Love your family. Be faithful to your wife. Raise children. Raise a garden. Pay your debts. Stay out of debt for that matter. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Be self-reliant. Oh, that's, hey, let's not get radical here now. That's kind of dangerous talk. Well, if that's considered countercultural, then I uh, gladly would, would jump on board that bandwagon. Actually, I think you and I probably been aboard that bandwagon for some time, but people have just been looking for some kind of, what label can we put on it? What can we call this? What What exactly can we do? But... Typically, the labels they put on it are to marginalize those of us who refuse to go along with the status quo. All right, another article. This is from the Brownstone Institute. Uh, I'm going to have to get a running start at this author's name, Thorstein Siglason. Hey, I think I got it. This is, say only what we want to hear or we will take away your livelihood. It's an article about how right now, our individual participation in the monetary system is very quickly becoming contingent on our deference to the powers that be. Meaning, if you are discovered to be a dissident, they can shut off your access to the monetary system. So the message is, well, you say only what we want to hear or we're going to take away your livelihood. Thorstein Siglason says the attacks on free and open discussion are becoming more and more widespread. Now, as Toby Young explains in an article this morning, the payment service PayPal has closed the accounts of the Daily Skeptic, which often publishes criticism of the government policy in various matters. PayPal has also closed the account of the Free Speech Union, which provides support to people whose freedom of opinion is under attack. For example, those fired from their jobs because of their opinions. PayPal has even gone as far as to close the rarely used personal account of Toby Young, who's in charge of both the Daily Skeptic and the Free Speech Union, and is also associate editor of The Spectator, one of the world's most respected newspapers. Now, as Toby reports in his article, the company's offered no explanation for this move. When payment services or banks begin to act in this way, it should dawn upon us what a serious threat to free and open exchange of opinion we're facing. Not only can you be fired from your job, your very possibility to make a living will be taken away also. Now, there's little doubt that many people think as long as their opinions, their own opinions are allowed, everything is fine, even if other opinions are forbidden. But that position, apart from being morally wrong, is based on an utter lack of understanding of the threat we face. 
The question is not if, but when it will be your opinions that are censored and your livelihood taken away. Well, it's okay to ban right-wing BS, a thoughtless leftist might think. It's okay to ban communist propaganda, the thoughtless right-winger might think. But as Toby points out in his article, it is also, in fact, left-wing media outlets that PayPal is now attacking, not just right-leaning ones like the Daily Skeptic. PayPal's actions are based on blatant opposition to the freedom of expression, opposition that until recently one thought belonged to the scrap heaps of history. But now we're seeing more and more examples of this. The other day, people were arrested and taken to prison in Britain for protesting against the monarchy in the vicinity of funeral parades for the late queen. And most people thought nothing of it. Although attempts to silence the opinions of opponents of the monarchy had not been seen since the 15th century. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is currently awaiting extradition and life imprisonment in the United States for publishing information inconvenient to the government. But most people take this lightly. And these are just two countless of the countless recent examples which clearly show what's going on and where we're headed. Freedom of expression is a fundamental value that concerns us all. No matter where we stand in politics and what our preferences in life are or our religion is, we must have the maturity and moral standing to defend it unconditionally, no matter how annoying or inappropriate we may find the views currently being attacked. He's right, by the way. If we don't stand up now for the freedom of expression, next time it will be our own views getting censored or our own livelihood taken away. Isn't it interesting? I've, I've got to have Shannon Brooks back on the program. Shannon is, of course, the founder of Monticello College, one of my sponsors of this show. He has written about the and, and lectures about the new economy. And a point that Shannon has made, the last time we had him on the show, we talked about the new economy. And he made this point, and there's a part of me that wanted to push back and say, no, 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 that can't be true. He said, you cannot be free and still be a part of the monetary system that is being used to enslave you. Now, for some people, that may sound conspiratorial. I think he's right, though. And as I see the moves being made to bring about a central bank digital currency, particularly when I see what uh, the, I don't know if you saw this, but yesterday it was announced that the IRS is now very vigorously going after holders of cryptocurrency to collect, uh, I guess, fees or transaction fees. Anyway, they're, they're trying to, to go after people with crypto to make sure that they're paying everything that they owe. So, makes you wonder, what's the, what kind of systems are going to come into being to counter this uh, grasp for power and control and dominion over the people? I don't have the answer, but I'll tell you, I'm watching very closely, and I'm sure there are others are watching too. Maybe we'll go back to barter. I don't see that as a bad thing. This is The Brian Hyde Show.